0: All right, Dave, we're back for episode two. We're talking about conscience and anxiety. and Yeah, let's talk about that. And so we're going by... We're, we're just going to kind of expand on the sermon that you gave uh, on Sunday. Not this past Sunday, the Sunday before. Got you. So one of the things that... Really kind of, I guess I don't I don't understand, when you talk about conscience, so you're talking about conscience and the conscience being the thing that convicts us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that right? Mm-hmm. So I guess for some reason when I think about conscience, a lot of times I think about like the voice in your head that tells you don't do that or do do that. Is that the conscience mm-hmm. or is the conscience what you're feeling after you do something or don't do something?
2: Yes, that's yeah. So the conscience, I think conscience is sort of like your spiritual muscle that lets you know and defines for you what's good for you and what's bad for you, or and also what's good and bad, right? Uh, And so your conscience can have. um, Usually, we think about it feeling bad. I've done something wrong, and so therefore I'm now feeling guilty and the conscience is usually the thing that we think is is what's making us feel guilty now that can be a you know a moral you know transgression right but it also can just be where you might even be thinking um, your conscience can even have something like i should never be a person who works a 9 to 5 job i should be a creative i should be someone who you know uh uh you know someone like who seizes the day and you know that lives a kind of life that i define for myself it can be all those that that actually is the conscience as well.
0: So, okay. So, what what I think we need to separate here now then is because we're talking about first off we're in Romans 14 here. Okay, so this is where Paul talks about not holding judgment against the one who eats and and not or the one who doesn't eat, all of that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so. When I think about consciousness, and obviously, like that thing, like when we so, like what you mentioned there, that doesn't really line up with what I'm about to say. When we have something that we like, we do something, or we haven't done something, we feel bad. I've also heard that called conviction. Mm -hmm. Conviction can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you do something like, you know, I don't know, like throw somebody's. Ball up on top of the roof and they can't get to mm-hmm. it. You're being me and must mm-hmm. be convicted like, oh, why did I do that? Like that's such a jerk move, you know? Yeah, like, you know, schoolyard stuff, right? Right, yeah. sure, yeah. I work at a school, so give me a break. And so that would be like conviction. Yeah. That would be a good thing, right?
2: Or- yeah, for the most part. So I, your your conscience is not all bad, but actually, it's not all good either. And actually, Romans fourteen, there's a few surprises in it. I think one is the person who's really affected in conscience by their own transgressions or where they fall short and where others fall short so they get really bothered when other people aren't living up to the way that they think they should be living up to, that's a person who Paul calls the weak Christian. And I think that's a great term because when you are constantly being put out by your own faults or your own transgressions, whether they're actual real or just You know uh, things that you've kind of defined for yourself. Uh, You really get very put out, uh, and it really saps your strength by all the people that aren't living up to how they should live, and how you're not living to how uh, uh, you how you are not living how up to how you should live. And so he says, a strong Christian is the one who's really honestly unaffected uh, in conscience. Uh, particularly in this issue, would be uh, meat sacrificed to idols. He can have barbecue wherever he wants, uh, even if it was sacrificed to an idol at a temple, um, you know, of Artemis or Apollo or whatever it might have been. Uh, because, uh, you know, it whatever, you know, he knows that whatever he puts into his body is not making him unclean because there's no unclean anymore for a Christian.
0: Kind of uh, like how in Acts, when Peter, he falls into a sleep and he sees like i don't always picture like he describes like a sheet yeah with all the animals on it and god says tells people peter to kill and eat mm-hmm. and peter's like whoa no like hold on a second like actually god your law says yeah you know which is just a weird thing <laughs> right. to say to god yes like, like, that's oh, right oh no god you i've can't never do done that. this yes <laughs> never eaten anything unclean and he says or common. i guess he uses the, the term common and God tells him not to call common what he has made clean. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously in reference to, you know, Peter's in receiving that message in reference to uh, giving the gospel to Gentiles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but it makes sense that it would go both ways here with, you know, even like, you know, pork isn't a big deal for you to eat now. Mm-hmm. Because... Christ is uh, what you know what we mm-hmm. talked about last time fulfilled the law
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so so that would would that fall under the same category say you know like uh, as Jews they would not eat pork mm-hmm. so that falls under the same category right like as you can eat you know meat that has been sacrificed to some other idol obviously as long mm-hmm. as you're not sa- uh, worshiping that idol and uh, also I mean like things like from the law like pork and such. Same deal.
2: Yeah, so you know, I think it's a little bit different because you have the mosaic law, which has the you know the dietary codes or the you know the cultural codes of what you should wear, things like that. And there would be certainly plenty of people in the Roman Church that would be uh, put off by that if you didn't do that. I think food sacrifice to idols is a, also another thing too, where it's essentially taking maybe the first commandment, "I'll have no other gods before me" or whatever, and saying, "Well, you shouldn't eat that because." Uh, this is a sacrifice to an idol, and and uh, Paul basically is saying the person who's bothered by that and who really kind of makes it their, you know, part of their consciousness to be bothered by it and how and be bothered by the fact that other people are doing it are persons that are really they're really weakening themselves. They're 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 weakening their strength of spirit in their freedom that they have, and uh, so yeah, there are similar um so so you are free from the mosaic law in totality and then there's also things like you know every every culture is going to be different about what it is that you think we culture should and shouldn't do in Paul's time you know they were talking about meat sacrifice to idols they were talking about what days the best day to worship right they're probably arguing between Saturday and Sunday you know something oh, like okay. that right so there's there's all kinds of different cultural dynamics but the point remains is um, that your conscience, when it is sort of either demanding purity or like a perfectionism almost, that's the thing that actually makes you uh, really uh, weak. Um, we're talking really talking about your energy. We're talking about your strength, um, and that's uh, a very very important term.
0: So, would we even? I'm going to kind of go come out of left field here because i this is one thing i just i have a huge problem with it in the church today and that is you've got some pastors that will get up there on sunday and they really focus way too much on criticizing other pastors for not doing things the way that they would do it does that kind of fall in line here with this i mean they're you know sometimes i hear just the most lamest things like oh this guy got up there and he said that for example, uh you can go to uh, uh you know a gay wedding. But no, you can't. You can like, is that is that the same thing? Is, you know, so, like, and I'm I'm not saying that like everyone should be going to gay weddings either. I'm just Yeah,
2: of, no, like, that's a great like, that's a great example because you all we all have these things in every culture. That basically is like a, a Christian shouldn't involve themselves in these types of things, right? And basically, it's a lot of the question is just by your, you know, participation, are you also giving approval? And and really, you know, the greatest enemy often to the gospel is a purity movement where you're basically trying to have a church or a group of uh, Christians who are, you know basically what we would call pure, or essentially like they're not doing the bad, wrong things. Now, the problem with all of that is you can't keep it, and a lot of them are culturally defined. And Paul also is making this point saying that when, especially as pastors, when we start to get obsessed about how other people are behaving, it really is something that is just showing for us how easy we we are letting... Things into our spirit that are really making us weaker, because we because again it's it's bothering us, right? It's just really bothering us. And now there are some things we should be really bothered by, right? But there are some things you have to understand too that like uh, that you really need to understand the freedom that we have as Christians. So now the gay wedding that's an, a great example. That's a great example, because um you know one of the things that you know I think a lot of the people a lot of arguments people make about not going to gay weddings would be it's if you're there, you're giving your approval, or if you're uh or if you do go, then um not only maybe you're just giving your approval, but well, maybe that's the only one I can think of. Can you think of some any other
0: ones? not 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 really.
2: Yeah. Um you know, one of the things I think you, you know, and again it's like maybe you're staining yourself with the world, certainly you would probably have a lot of Christians who who might really really disagree with that decision. Um but you know, one of the things of course it is it is of course possible to a, attend a gay wedding and not necessarily say that I approve of gay marriage, yeah. right? Um, you can say that my approval or my my participation or my just my appearance here isn't um, an approval. Now, maybe officiating the that gets a little that clearer. Gets, yeah, gets that you well, know that yeah. would be get a little bit clearer. But just like a participation. So, um, you know, for someone though, I think a Christian that is unbothered to go to a gay marriage or a gay wedding even though they would not approve of a gay relationship uh can show strength of you know strength of conscience really they're unbothered by what that says about their relationship
0: yeah with and I god think, i mean doesn't that I, I i personally i wouldn't i like i wouldn't go to one um but the problem that really it really comes out is when you know, like if somebody else goes and attends one, like if I go to them, I'm like, "Oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. Why would you go to that?" You know what I'm saying? I mean, that could be an excellent opportunity for somebody to witness. You know, and so we know for a fact that uh, it's it's not it's not something that we do in the Christian church. But those people most likely aren't Christians. Actually, I would go ahead and say that they're not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, would you agree? I mean, it's it's kind of like do you do you go to the birthday a birthday celebration of an atheist? Is that does that mm-hmm. fall on the same mm-hmm. line? You know, like so I think, you know, the the real issue is when you, you get just like this constant preaching against it. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden you make I don't know, what would you call it like your your holiness or your salvation off of your actions, which is Basically, what mm-hmm. we're talking about that cleanliness. Is that what you called it earlier? You got to have this cleanliness movement.
2: A uh, purity. purity, yeah, purity movement, movement yeah. yeah. So like- see, really, the idea of um, you know, sort of the still the idea of like if you are around, or what do you put into your body that makes you unclean? Is you know, I think I use the example of uh, when I became a Christian. Uh, a lot of the Christians in my high school asked me very quickly whether or not I was going to break my secular music CDs yeah, and, uh, right. Before, and yeah. so and of course the idea there was like that this music was going to influence me in a negative way. And as the, that's again, the idea of what goes into your life would make you unclean. Right. And that's a really a complete misunderstanding of, of really what the idea of clean cleanliness or purity or whatever it might be. You know, so cause, because what goes uh, from the outside in is not what makes you unclean. It's like what what makes you unclean is what comes from the inside out. And that's greed and, you know, uh, lies and theft and, you know, all kinds of different, you know, things that Jesus talks about. So uh, we but but what's nice about the law, you know, the Mosaic law, particularly, it gives you this thing that gives you this illusion of holiness or purity when, that you do not have.
0: So regarding the CDs, when we look at, so let's say like a new Christian, you said you you became a new Christian. They're like, oh, you're going to break all your secular CDs, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But but let's say we would expect to see a change. Like, let's say you had come from a background. Like, I know before I was a Christian, I listened to some music that was just raunchy, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was... It was awful music, mm-hmm. and after I became a Christian, I didn't want to listen to that particular music mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. you know. Now, obviously, I didn't make a ceremony of it and go out and break those CDs. I just, you know, I think they like went into a box, you know, and yeah. that was, you know, I never listened to them again. And I think actually, I threw them away, like, you know, probably when I was like cleaning out my office. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't need this anymore. I don't listen to this anymore. So you do, we do see like a change in people, but like that. That purity movement, like you become a Christian, like, oh, I have to get rid of all my sports team memorabilia and break my CDs and all that (laughs) stuff. That's just ridiculous. And so that falls under the line of this like conscience thing. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, I I can't listen to that or I can't use that or I can't go there Mm -hmm. because I'm a Christian kind
2: of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it, you know, think there's so many things that we do often when we live according to laws and rules in order to like ensure holiness, which is what you would, what you actually have to do for children when you're an adult, you don't do that to adults. But, um, but one of the things that we want to make sure that, you know, you really try to stay away from as much as possible is the rules you make. So you don't break the actual real rules. Right. So, and then actually, uh, judge others based on whether they're keeping the rule to keep you from, uh, you know, not breaking the rule. So like for me it would be obviously I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be someone who's like over sexualizing women. And certainly couldn't there be music that can make me angrier and selfish and over sexualize women? Of course there is. Uh, so the rule then is break your CDs so that you don't even have to worry about that, right? And then just listen to Christian music. And, but, and then if I don't do that, people could say, wow, that guy really, uh, is going to be really influenced in a poor way by, uh, this, you know, the secular music. And that's actually not true, right? Uh, They, I've only seen that I haven't broken the CDs, right? They haven't seen that I've been poorly influenced by the music,
0: Yeah, you know, it kind of makes me think, like, it's definitely going to be your actions that are going to determine whether you're being poorly influenced by something. And it just, it makes me think about, uh, like, you know, the the example that just pops right in my head, and, you know, take, like, a former drug addict. The last thing they should be doing is hanging out with the people they used to do drugs with. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, it's not because they, you know, as as a Christian, they have to stay away from people like that or anything like that. It's that they're going to get back into old habits
2: if it's a temptation if yeah 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 but if If it's it's not they still they can hang hang out with them hang out away
0: but that's not like that's not like a um a requirement that's just good wisdom you Mm -hmm, know exactly has a, a, a tendency like well you have a tendency when you hang out with those people they you relapse Yeah. You stop hanging out with them. Yeah. Well, you're a Christian now. You're not talking to them anymore. It's a wisdom thing, not not really a, you know, I guess you would say it's a a sin thing, but it's not like a salvation thing.
2: I mean, and you know, like, you know, it can be, yes, very wise to make some rules so you don't actually break the rule, you know, like um, just as long as you don't enforce the rule that keeps you from breaking a rule as the thing you have to do it's just it is actually just a wisdom thing and a discretion thing jenny and i when we were dating we made some rules uh around our sexual uh life right we, we made rules like um no laying down together, no taking naps. Right when we were still dating. Right, the reason why we made that rule was because there's nothing wrong with na- napping, but we always knew that if we laid down together, she it was probably going to. Yeah. So that. see, that's right. So you you get into a point where. But I do also remember, and Jenny and I really not we didn't really try to uh, broadcast that at all. But I think at some point somebody heard that we had made a rule. That um, no napping together, just for us, what we, we weren't saying everybody else should do it, but it was just for us, and I think there was another couple that we knew that didn't hadn't that did nap together, and they actually felt like we we were gonna judge them real harshly because of that, and I didn't care at all, like I mean, right. first, you know, like just for Jenny and I, we knew that that was not gonna be a thing that was going to lead to sleep, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> right, yeah. uh, so we just, that's a little rule that we kind of made, right? So, um, you know, Billy Graham, the famous Billy Graham rule was he would never meet alone with any woman, uh, not his wife. Yeah, um, and there was a, wi- you know, there's a wisdom to that rule, uh, you know, especially particularly for there were so many evangelists at the time that had ended up cheating on their wives and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, you know, he made that rule. Now, uh, that's a good rule except for if you were to say to somebody who doesn't ke- like a there's another christian man that doesn't have that rule if you were to say oh wow that guy's really playing with fire he's really he's uh you know he's uh you know just one step away from adultery then you're in the wrong by saying that um just because uh that's not true like the rule is do not commit adultery don't like you know, that's the rule right but like Um, but whenever we make our, whenever you make a rule, that's just a wise thing. You can't be forcing it on others. If you do force it on others, that shows you are a weak Christian, really. Um, and, and the problem of course was not necessarily that your judgments are always wrong. The problem is, is that you've become a judge and it's just the very fact of judgment that you are in a place Where you really don't understand the grace and freedom uh, that God gives you, so.
0: Yeah. So there's like, especially in Billy Graham's Crick case, that's obviously a very wise move of him to make. Uh, You know, it's sort of like that uh, being above reproach thing. You know, no one's going to be able to come up and be like, "Hey, I saw Billy Graham with uh, this other lady." uh, You know, in some random room, you know, at the church or something. It's not gonna. It's never gonna happen because he's not going to end up in that situation. It's a wise thing, thing that I would recommend for all men who are married just for that purpose. I mean,
2: now I actually don't follow that rule and I'll tell you why, because um, I actually think there is a good, there is a good reason that women have expressed that that rule has kind of hurt them where they say that they really honestly can't get in the room a lot, especially in church life. Where they can be a part of the important decisions about how churches are run, and that that um, that rule in and of itself keeps men only meeting with men. And I actually think that that is a fair criticism of that rule, because um, they're right. If if a man who's got a leadership position says I'm not going to meet with any woman, that's not my wife by myself, like, um, a lot of times that's just really kind of how it ends up, uh, happening. So I don't have the rule. I don't, I don't keep the, I don't have the Billy Graham rule. And now I do have some rules around or things that I won't do, right? Like I'm not going to meet with a woman, um, one-on-one on counseling. So I'm never going to counsel a woman one-on-one. Uh, I'm never going to meet in a woman with a woman at the church by myself or anything like that. So, um, but I don't have that rule, um, mostly because, um, you know, I, all because I I don't actually have any problem meeting with women in public places. If it's one on one, I I rarely meet with women one on one ever anyway. But then um, if I meet with women often, it's like more than one woman, and it's usually in a public place.
0: Well, I think what you're referring to there. I mean, that's kind of like lines up with your job here though. You know, like you're not you're not meeting up with, you know, some woman that you know just to have drinks or just to, you know, have mm-hmm. a bite to eat yeah. kind of thing. You know, you're not going on a bike ride together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'm i in room I'm I'm in rooms alone with women all the time during the work day. You know, they're usually the only time that I can get in and work on a teacher's computer is when mm-hmm. there's no students in the room yeah and so i'm in a room you know right. with a teacher by myself on a regular basis and that's a little different you know
1: totally um, you yeah know,
0: it's i'm just doing my job she's yeah. doing her job but you know if like you know like for example uh you know if i had you know female friend call me up at 11 30 at night like hey my car broke down can you come get me well it's gonna be me and my wife are gonna come get you yeah you know yeah okay all it's right kinda, yeah yeah know, i think that's what i think about sure yeah you know and and not. i mean it's
2: situation by situation you don't hold hard and fast to that rule right yeah, it's, like it's more uh
0: like is this yeah. a situation that is going to Look bad, or or yeah, or is this a situation that's gonna make my wife go, Why were you with her? You know, like, yeah, if I could somebody goes, I saw him coming out of that teacher's room, it was just two of them in there. My wife's gonna be like, Yeah, he works on computers, yeah, like that's what he's, you know, like duh, yeah, you know, but that's was, right. Somebody's like, Oh, I see him came out of so and so's house mm-hmm. while he said that he was at work, and uh, now there's a problem, you
2: know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, so yeah, think for sure,
0: it falls in and line. It's like there. Billy
2: Graham's rule, he put that in there because so many evangelists at the time were cheating on their wives because they traveled a lot they you know they were lonely right you know so they um their wives couldn't send them you know text messages
0: or whatever so well let's let's be real too though i mean not to i'm not trying to really knock us here but you know i'm sure there were plenty of women who would have loved to ruin billy graham's
1: Oh yeah, ministry
0: and I, I'm sorry, but that's a that's a fact. No one's coming after me or you. Like I'm going to ruin your yeah. ministry. <laughs> like, yeah, and not, I think Billy
2: Graham him. was also just saying like he would be the one too. That also would be like it'd be really easy for him to ruin it. So it you know, be, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think, um, but you know, I, I, but with anything like that, that's one of the things you also want to be really really careful about. That you know, uh, whenever we make a rule to not break a rule is you don't really want to celebrate it too much honestly because it makes because once whatever you celebrate usually is what people will imitate and if you start imi- you know celebrating things like that as holiness then you're kind of, you're really misunderstanding holiness right like you're basically um, it could be a wise thing to do and that, and, th- and that actually is very true. Like there's like just wisdom, you know, and it's, and it's good to be wise for sure. But you also don't want to celebrate these hard and fast rules that there are sometimes, you know, that and with anything about wisdom, wisdom is going to work a lot of the time, but not a hundred percent of the time. That's what, you know, the proverbs aren't, you know, hard and fast, you know, statements. Right. And so, um, so you just have to like be really, really careful. So that's why, like, like I said with Jenny and I, when we made that rule about no napping, right. It wasn't like, wow, these guys don't nap together. You know, it's like, I mean, it would be really easy for us to be like, um, but what, but we're all, we're basically saying is like, like, um, you know, we're just basically trying to, uh, you know, you know basically continue to love each other sexually before our, before we get married right and to love each other sexually before we get married is to not be sexual with it, with each other it doesn't mean that we're pure i wasn't pure sexually um you know because not because i did anything sexually with jenny but it was just because i'm just not a pure human being <laughs> like i'm not pure like that's the whole point right and so um, and I'm not bragging about something necessarily that just keeps me from doing something wrong, even though all the people, you know, there's people all around the world, of course, that do wrong. But like I'd I would rather just be known for the actual act of you know, love, right? Just loving another person. So you gotta be really careful with stuff like that. Um because of these issues, right? Because it enters into the conscience. And, uh, you know, there are, I know that there are a lot of men that get really bothered in conscience when they enter into a room that they're the only ones in with another woman, not because they did anything wrong, not because there's anything adulterous about it at all, but just simply because they broke their own little rule that they made, you know, the Billy Graham rule. And that's, a weakness, like that's really we- that. I mean, that's a great example of like a conscience being bothered by a rule that you didn't have to make, right? And usually, and, and I think women have made some good points about that too, where it's just like it's kind of embarrassing for you to come into a room be like, "Oh, I'm in here with you by yourself. I gotta go." And it you can, and it can make them kind of feel like, you know, they're they're these constant temptresses or something like that, which is, uh, you know, obviously I've never been a woman. But I think, like, I can understand that if, like, a man comes into a room, like, and then just, like, immediately, like, leaves uncomfortably, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it is a very strange occurrence.
0: Yeah, I think, so, you know, I mean, especially, especially, like, what do you do at work, though? You know, like, if you walk into a conference room and you and a woman are the first ones there, you go, Oh, I'm going to wait outside, you know, wait for, like, the next person right. to show up. That's, that's really awkward. Right. You
2: know? And that does happen for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's a little ridiculous. You know, I think that, you know, you can have, you know, I'm just going to go back to the example I gave, you know, if if some woman that I know calls me at 11 o'clock at night needing a ride, like my wife's coming with me because mm-hmm. that's, that, that's just, that's just kind of stupid that I would go out to pick somebody up, you know, obviously if it was like, you know, uh, you know, maybe like a relative or something that's mm-hmm. different, but it's just kind of like, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where people are going to say Oh, like, you sure nothing happened? Like, I like, yeah, I, I did. I, I know what I did, you know, and not, nothing happened. But people, like you're saying, though, they have that, that they themselves have that weak conscience. And so, hey, no, my wife was with me. You don't have to worry about anything. You just go mm-hmm. back to doing your thing worry about you. But I, I wanted to ask you, because we're talking about, like, you know, these different things that, that we do to be holy, right? And so... How do we define holiness, or how does the scripture define holiness, I guess would be the better question.
2: Yeah, man, that's a really great, great question. So holiness, we oftentimes think is a morality, and it's not. So holiness is God's otherness in the sense that he is just absolutely different than us. So um, so when we say that God is holy, uh, it is basically he is other. Now you have a couple great definitions of holiness, I think, is one is so when he and he says when he calls us out to be separate, right? Like it means not necessarily to be moral, right? It means to be like he is. Now you see get a couple great examples, I think, of holiness, definitions of it. One is in the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus, he says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the way that he explains what that is is that God sends the rain and the sun to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, and he basically is blessing both the righteous and the unrighteous. He's basically saying, "Be perfect like your your heavenly Father is, which is be compassionate on believers and unbelievers alike." <laughs> you know, it's like you're not don't withhold anything. It's not you're 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 not. Um, you know, if you're one of God's people, you're not in this super special in-group, you know, where you give one people preferred preference. Be like your heavenly father, you know, in his perfection, which is to be generous to all. And I I love that, you know. So, you know, of course, holiness, um, you know, is partially also just his perfection in all his attributes, right? So God, God's love is holy love. God's justice is holy justice. You know, God's, goodness is holy goodness. And so it's, uh, you know, that's a way to think about it as well. So, but yeah, you, you know, like honestly, like, um, you know, I don't, you know, like when when Jenny and I got married, you know, as virgins, you know, we weren't like, uh, wow, we we're just, we we're so, uh, you know, such pure, you know, pure human beings, you know, it was, uh, it was obviously like neat that we did that, but I think for, both of us like we were like this was just for us an act of love to to say we're not we're not giving to each other we're not giving to each other sexually before we are absolutely fully committed to one another publicly um through marriage
0: so it's a it's an otherness it
2: is. It's anotherness, yeah. I,
0: I like that example. That that's a really good example, especially the God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, uh, obviously that's not uh, something we could do. We can't cause rain to happen. But, right. But but what it, what it that was just a joke. But what it it does make me think about though. I've heard that as being like God's wrath as well. For example, the the guy who has no worries. Uh, let's say, you know, makes a ton of money, you know, has perfect health and everything, you know, his kids are great, and he just doesn't really think about who God is, doesn't really care, he's not sure if he's an atheist or not, and everything's just going right for him, and uh, he just kind of ignores this, this, you know, creator of all things, and that that can actually be God's wrath on somebody that they have no reason to turn to him. So I don't know. Do you agree with that? What What do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so God's wrath, like we think of God's wrath as something like, um, you know, fire from heaven or something like right. Sodom and Gomorrah or something like that. But Paul in Romans says the wrath of God is uh, giving people over to what it is that they want.
0: Oh, okay, so that's actually see I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that it was in the scripture. So.
2: Yeah. So Romans one, he says that you know he his wrath is seen in that uh he just gives us over to our own desires. So the ultimate the, to be given over to your own desires and and not restrained in them is uh God's wrath. And it is evident, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of different ways and he's going to, you know, highlight that in Romans 1 and 2. But um that is so that is God's wrath. So it's uh if yeah, if you are unrestrained in your um in your desires and you, you never even everything's so good you never even think to you know come to jesus right that is certainly an aspect of god's wrath and you can even think about hell that way too right where um you know a hell is an ultimate given over to you, the thing that you've wanted uh, and was most precious to you your whole life which was yourself and it's just a full giving over to yourself and you have yourself for the rest of eternity
0: And so, when we talk about our desires, again, going back to you know this whole aspect, you know, stupid CDs. That's right. Our desires as Christians will change. We begin to desire what God desires, and so, and that is where we see that transition as a Christian, where uh, you know. We we don't want to uh, – now, obviously, some secular music is fine. Most secular music is fine, actually. But, yeah, uh,
2: I have no problem with any yeah. secular music.
0: Yeah. I could play you something that you'd be like, oh, no. Uh,
2: <laughs> it might be on my playlist right now. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll ask you after the <laughs> right. podcast. Okay? When the mics uh, are up. Yeah. <laughs> great. So, yeah.
1: Uh,
0: so, you know, but we, we do – we have like we, – we end up with desires that are are more godly desires, you know. So – obviously I know like a change for me was I wanted to, you know, essentially amass wealth.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, know? You're uh, a guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah well yeah, yeah, you actually used that exact example. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like before I was a Christian, I was like, how do I make money? And I gotta like yes. I gotta be rich and I gotta have a house and I gotta have all this stuff. And now I'm like honestly like when I think about getting a pay raise, I'm like that increases my time. <laughs> you know, like, that's so cool you know that's, so, that's awesome uh, you know yeah it's all, weird all how I that really works want, yeah you know yeah. is to be able to feed and shelter my family mm-hmm. you know, and god he 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 says he provides that in the scriptures and so i'm like i'm never worried about that but you know anytime that you know I, you know take a step up in my career or anything like that i'm like i'm like now my tithe is this high that's
1: mm-hmm. yeah. you know i'm yeah.
0: like oh, i can make a bigger impact now you know yeah
2: it's so so, so amazing it's so true desires. yeah so That's right. And and that's what's so cool about Romans 8 is, you know, what the law could not do. You know, Jesus, um, you know, uh, fulfilled it and crucified it in the flesh. And now he's given the spirit, which creates those desires in us, which the law could never do. So the command could never create a desire in you to be generous. Um, But what, you know, the law could not do in the Holy Spirit coming into your life was like, wow, hey, every raise I get to give more. That's awesome, you know. So um, so that's the power of the Holy Spirit over against the law.
0: So I guess the last thing that I wanted to bring up about this whole thing, you know, was John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist, when he's born, or I guess before he's born, right? He says that he's, he's not to have uh, wine or strong drink. He's not to drink any. He's not to have alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally... Um, you know, I like to pretend that I enjoy beer on occasion. <laughs> my wife will tell you what ends up happening is I, I go to the store and I'm like, oh, tonight's beer night. And <laughs> like, I'll pick out a beer, you know, and I bring it home. And then I'm like, yeah, like as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to have my beer. You yeah. Know? And then like, I get done with that. And I'm like, well, let me take care of this real quick. You know, like, I just get busy, you know, That's and so I never funny. To sit down and chill and drink it, you know? Yeah. So it sits in the fridge until my wife throws it out. Cause she knows when beer goes bad, it's after about like a year and a half and she like gets rid of it, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, your beer's gone. You have to get another one, you know? But, but so the person that says, uh, Hey, I don't, I, you know, I don't care if other people drink, but I just feel like I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Would you call that a weakness or is that just like a conviction where God's like, Hey, um, sort of like he does with John the Baptist, like you're not to drink. What would you like? What would you consider that? Does that fall under like in this Romans fourteen thing? Yeah, that
2: absolutely. About? That absolutely does. That's a really good example because drinking is usually one of those things where you'll have weak Christians who will say, often do not. I, I like any Christian who drinks. Who drinks is sinning, and that's clearly not biblical, you know. But what they're trying to say is, I'm like you should not drink as a rule, so you don't break a rule, right? And that's ultimately, you know, like the sin is like getting drunk, which leads to debauchery. So even sometimes drunkenness is still the, you know, um, drunkenness is what leads to the actual sins, right? And we see that all played out all the time. So, um, but yeah, so uh, if if a person says, um, you know, that. I'm not drinking because that's just my own personal conviction and but I if other people drink that doesn't bother me. That's exactly what uh Romans 14 the instruction is to say if you have that conviction. And Paul says, you should be convinced in your own mind, right? If you are if you um if you follow this one day, you know, you think you need to worship on this day or you you think that you shouldn't eat food sacrifice vials. You should be fully convinced in your mind, own mind about that, but do not force it upon the other person to do that. Now he also says to the strong Christian who is not unbothered in conscience by these things, um you know, don't shove it in your weak brother's face, right? Mm-hmm. don't don't be like Look at me drink. You know, I know this bothers you, you know. And uh, and so, but just out of love, you can say, well, I'm not going to drink around you because I know it bothers you, you know. And so, but most people who think, who make a rule like don't drink, they actually think they're the strong Christian because they are doing this thing that takes a lot of self-discipline, it looks very holy, like you, there's no way they're ever gonna have any kind of debauchery or anything like that. And you actually think it's that stuff that is the uh, makes you kind of a strong good Christian and it's the exact opposite. It's uh, it's the fact that uh, you're making those rules at all to keep you from doing the wrong things just actually and and, and if you start then judging others, By those things, too, then you're like you're a weak Christian for sure. So, um, uh, you know, a strong Christian is not someone who reads their Bible all the time, super self disciplined. You know, I mean, that is a great thing, that's not a bad thing, but that's not what where strength comes from. A strength comes from an unbothered conscience, honestly. And so, strength really comes from. Uh, a full knowledge of your righteousness in Christ, a full knowledge that there's um, nothing that God holds against you. There's nothing in his law that he's evaluating you about to to, uh, bring your behavior in question before him. And when you have that reality— and and man, a lot of weak Christians, they hear that and they just think danger, 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 danger. And it's, and it's because they're still kind of like little kids who just need rules to restrain them. You know, that's why to me, like, it, like I, like you wouldn't have to, like, you know, we have a basketball hoop in our parking lot out in front of our church, right? Um, you know, and knowing everyone at our church, everyone, If I do not need to make a sign for our basketball hoop, which is 10 feet high, I don't need to make a sign out there for our hoop that says no dunking (laughs) because there is no one in our church that can dunk. I can't dunk. There's no one in our church that can dunk. I can tell you that right now.
0: I don't know. I (laughs) I think Jim might be able to.
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about. It. Well, Jim's a new. He's Jim new. He's new. Okay.
0: Yeah, there we go. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah. But he's tall. Th- he's seven you're seven right.
0: He's foot
2: tall. Yeah, he's okay. like seven foot something. Okay, so he sorry, Jim. <laughs> Maybe Jim. <laughs> but you get the point, right? It's like, I don't need to make a sign about pe- what people are, are comp- like completely unable, unable to do, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? So it's like, and it would be kind of silly for me to do that. And. You know, that's actually one of the things that's like so amazing about a Christian and, and Christian freedom and grace and our right Jesus' righteousness and the God uh, taking away the law. You know, is you know, these things lose so much power, these sins lose so much power to them when there's no pressure to obey a rule that is restraining your flesh. And and then also when you're when you are a Christian, you find in yourself the desires to do the loving thing to do, right? And so now that doesn't mean Christians still don't sin, right? We still sin, we still sin against one another. We still do wrong things. But um, you know, one of the things the holy spirit will lead us to do then is to confess our sins to one another too right when we when we when we sin and so um one of the thing and it's just is there's a um it, it is so like drinking for me i i actually whenever i like have more than maybe two drinks i will definitely start to feel like, tipsy. And so, and I don't like that feeling. It's actually, like, I kind of have a stomach ache at that point, probably, anyway. Mm-hmm. There's just, like, just, for me, I, I've never enjoyed, like, the uh, feeling of getting tipsy or drunk. So, it's really it's something for me that, like, never, like, is a big deal. Now, th- 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 a lot of other... I'm yeah yeah kidding. yeah exactly sure yeah you're right but i mean and that's very weird so but i you know like i don't need a lot of rules around alcohol not only because i'm a christian but just because i i just don't like that feeling and i get a stomachache a lot when i drink and stuff like that so it's like that's a pretty easy one for me right but um but you know one of the things that it, one of the things that is actually like you know, really cool is, um, you know, like secular music and stuff like that. It doesn't, these, these things to me, I can listen to almost any music that I like without any real threat that it's like going to spoil my relationship with God or make me a bad human being to the people I love. You know, I'm free to listen to what it is that I like. Now, most of what I like is like, fine. You know, you know, it's like, it's not misogynistic. It's not, you know, right. violent. It's not, it's not anything like that. But like, um, but I certainly do listen to stuff like that, that could be categorized as that. And I can recognize like, that's, wow, that's really misogynistic. That's really violent. And I don't like that, you know? Right. You know, So it's one of those things that you just have some discernment. It's just really cool to be a free person. Right. And to be truly like unbothered by the behaviors of others. And what's even the best thing in all the world is to even be bothered by your own behaviors. So that's when the, you know what, what's crazy about what Paul says in Corinthians, he says, is a very he's talking to his you know, his opponents who say he's not a real apostle. And he says, it is a very little thing for me to be judged by you. But then he says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Now, that's crazy to think about. Like, um, like we can um, imagine how confident and, and uh, energetic we would feel if we were not subject to the judgments of others. Like, they didn't bother us. But also, how just incredibly powerful we would feel if we weren't even, like, subject to the judgments on ourselves that we make about ourselves. Could you imagine? And that's how powerful that is is he he's like i I'm taking Jesus at his word that he's given me his righteousness, and there's and jesus and there's nothing that God has on me at all, so why would I then bring some sort of standard upon myself that I should be judging by myself judging myself by so
0: so you know. I guess you know I'm gonna like go back to the music thing. It just made me think of it. I I actually had a song that I I took off of my playlist. Uh, so I I use uh, we use Spotify for playlists, but when I'm like sitting at my desk, I like to put on the uh, YouTube playlist because if I'm doing work at my desk, you know, it's it's a lot cooler to like see the music video going. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. It's just something I like. Well, one of the video one of the songs I had on there actually had like depictions of the crucifixion, and it was like mocking it oh okay and i was like and, and like so like I, I listened to that song for so long and like i never realized like it, honestly the words don't even match up with okay. the music video. yeah but because of that i actually removed it from my playlist because it always made me think of that music video and i was like you know i don't really i don't really appreciate that i don't like that and it made me not like the song but it's not like a rule i'm not gonna hear somebody like listening to that song i'm gonna be like dude did you know like you shouldn't be listening to that song. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not even it. It's actually just it's something that it makes you know me kind of feel like no, I don't I don't like that song anymore because I don't like what they're portraying in their music video.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: so I don't know. Like I I feel like I feel like that's sort of like um, it's not a rule I've made. Like if I go somewhere and like that song's playing, I'm gonna be like I gotta leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, yes. I just found that I don't enjoy yes. the song anymore, and so like what you know we're saying, you know, and what you're saying is that. You know, those things that we enjoy and that we like are going to change based Mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, our lives as Christians. But it's not like, I'm not mad at the song. I'm not mad. There's still other songs that Mm -hmm. the band uh, has that I still have on my playlist. You know, I still like other of their songs. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like... Is it? Are you making it a rule, like you were just saying? And are are you like passing ju- like judgment on yourself? I like that example, like Paul, where Paul talks about that, where he's like, "I don't even judge myself." Mm-hmm. That's a that, that's a great way to be.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, and and most most of us, you know, in the church situations I've always been in, talking to Christians that I'm in relationship with, it's just I notice so often how. Just bound up they are by the behaviors of others that fall short of uh, what they think they should be doing, or what the, the Bible says that they should be doing. And you know, it's the Bible's not a, a you know the Bible's not a thing this uh, that's trying to tell us first and foremost about how other people should act so we can have the world we want. You know, it's about we don't have the world we want because we are. People so fully committed to self that you know we have to be rescued from it and um and God's rescue uh, even rescues us from the thing that makes us self obsessed about sin, whether it's our own sin or or the or other people's sin now obviously when other there 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 are mechanisms that you restrain other people's sin and those are really important, right? like the government is essentially an institution by God to just restrain and punish sin. Like, that's really important. Really important. Um, But also, uh, I know that that the government does that, right? And so, but I don't want to be spending a ton of my time as a pastor, like, constantly thinking about, you know, ultimately, um, you know, what other churches should be doing, what other pastors should be teaching. Now, I actually will obsess about things like um, if I believe a pastor, if I hear him say something like that's a definitely a kind of a Galatian, like, uh, Jesus plus obedience will make you right with God kind of stuff. I'll get fired up about that, but I think that's difficult because i think paul gets fired up with, about that right sure, like yeah.
0: I mean, you can't, um we're not we're not right. really called to allow like a false yeah. gospel to be preached to people right you
2: got to be and you that's got to be the kind of the stuff you got to really put your um but but the thing about that is is like what really gets fired people up uh, often is just how other people are doing things that are different than them i saw um, a video that went viral of just a a person criticizing a Missouri church for having this like way over the top men conference. Like I think they brought like a tank on stage and they brought like, they had like fire and smoke and all this stuff on stage. And so, and you look at that and it's really easy to say, I see this and it's like, that's crazy when I think about church, like, where'd you get the tank? How much did that cost? You know, like the, you know, it's like, shouldn't this be about God? And not, you know, and you can do all that, but all, but, but what that is, is a cultural criticism about how someone is choosing to do what it is they do. Um, And it's really, for me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like try to be a, a judge. Again, I'm, I, my judgment might be, right and good, I could say something like, you know, think of how much money they could have given the poor instead of spending it on a tank, you know, or whatever it is. And that would get a ton of amens and that would get a lot of people fired up, wouldn't it? But I, the, and that wouldn't necessarily be a wrong judgment. The problem though is, is I've become a judge. Like it's not that my one, my judgments are right or wrong. It's that just the fact that I'm a judge period is a very dangerous place to be and that's where a lot of christians unfortunately um you know that i've had interact with over you know 28 years of being a christian often find themselves and because they have you know they essentially their conscience is weak
0: so they brought a tank on stage spending a bunch of money okay and you heard criticism of this right I hear criticisms of mega churches all the time. They built a big building, they did this, they did that, and think about what they could have done with that money to help the poor. Uh, my question is, first and foremost, just from a, like a logic perspective here, is uh, how much, what, what does that church already do for those in need in their community that you're not pointing out, okay? So that's first and foremost. That's just from a logic perspective, but from the biblical perspective i can't help but think about why was the tank put up there on stage do we know was it to do some form of praising jesus praising god what was did it have something to do with worship do you do, do we know at all I have no idea, I mean, I
2: assume it was probably just a fun illustration, probably is what it was, yeah okay,
0: maybe we don't use the tank, maybe we'll use the sh- the the lighting the light mm-hmm. the crazy lighting that some churches mm-hmm. have. I used to go to a mega church that had some really cool lighting for their bands. It was cool, I guess, and but I hear I always hear people criticizing that, like oh yeah, they do these light shows and everything, i mm-hmm. spend all this money on that, uh, but that's part of their worship, so when uh I believe it was Mary Magdalene, who was it that? The perfume for Jesus. Yeah. Mary, Mary, Mary.
2: Uh, Wait. I don't know if it was Mary. Some people think it might have been, but I don't okay. think. It, I don't think it was a fully identified
0: person. So, yeah. Judas starts throwing a little temper tantrum, right? About oh, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. And mm-hmm. Jesus is like, hey, how about you shut up? She's doing me. Uh, she's doing yeah. a really great thing. For yeah. You. Okay. And so that's kind of what I want to tell those people. I want to say, hey, Judas, shut up. They're they're doing a great thing to worship God, to <laughs>
1: worship
0: Jesus. Okay, and you know, like, is it my thing? Am I like, man, I want to go to a church with strobe lights and stuff? That's mm-hmm. not my thing. But some people really get fired up and mm-hmm. really worship well.
2: Yeah, what and, with that, you know, and I'll even I'll challenge you just a little bit there to even maybe go one step further and just not even make a judgment at all, even if it's good, like not. Like you, there's a way to take that, whatever happened in that church in Missouri's men conference and just say, I am not even going to engage whether this was good or bad. Like I can, yeah. And you gave us the, the good reasons, but you don't even have to do that, but you don't even have to think of the bad reasons. You can basically just say, I'm not judging, period. I'm not judging. And just, it's just like, it's kind of like end of conversation, and because, and one of the things that does that does for us personally is it actually makes us so much more free from the behaviors of others, um, you know. So it's like, okay, so they have this huge men conference of the tank. I why do I need to get angry? Well,
0: so it was a men's conference. Yeah, it was a
2: men's conference. Yeah, why so do I need to get yeah for a
0: good reason? Yes, <laughs> every <laughs> men's conference. I exactly. Yes. I Totally agree with that. Yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> but you, I can look at that and say um you know sure like and the people that are criticizing it are are offended and and what that shows me by the people that are criticizing it is that you're letting offense you're letting another person give you offense um put you out like um and I do I have an opinion about bringing a tank on stage or whatever maybe but at the same time it's just really nice to be like I'm not going to defend it and I'm not going to criticize it. I'm not going to I'm just not going to be a judge. I I'm I'm I don't have that role. I'm not in that position. Now, if they were to say something like um, you know, hey, every other, you know, we're not like your grandma's church and we're we do all these great things. Uh we we do all these great things and we're, you know, really culturally relevant and all that kind of stuff, I can say to them, "Hey, you can be really culturally relevant and be like a really kind of exciting church that's got these big displays that people love to come to, without trashing your grandma's church. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. you're basically, you are basically saying, like, we want you to understand how good we are in comparison to these other churches that's complete pride. That's complete comparison. And that's a complete way to, um, you know, you're essentially sowing to the flesh at that point. Right. And, um, you know, and, uh, and when we say things like that, you know, it's like, how do, how do grandmas feel? you know, it's like, you know like you know i imagine for a lot of people getting older getting older when you're in your 40s is kind of a crisis so when you're like in your 70s and 80s and people are you know making fun of your age you know uh, and your church that yeah. that is doing things that older people like it's it just is like no wonder so i there are some things if something like and i'm i'm not saying that church did that i'm just saying like if they were to say something like that then i could it's say Yeah, why do you need to compare? You can just like you can do your thing, right? Like, um, and uh, uh, you can you can put a tank on stage, and I'm not even going to say that's fine. I'm just going to say you can put a tank on stage, period. And then just there's then make no qualifications about it at all. I
0: don't I don't know that that's actually an accurate statement though, Dave, because you can't say that here. (laughs) there's no way you can put a tank on that oh that's right i'm sorry a tank would be the size of our auditorium okay come on you gotta be like if your stage can handle it (laughs)
2: yes that's so right that's so right but it, it really it goes to actually to show you just how ingrained in the human being it is to not be rebellious but to be a person who, uh, lives by works, lives by a sort of moral, uh, accomplishment, uh, you know, a set of moral, uh, standards. And then, and then they have to denigrate those who they believe are below them. Uh, and then if they then of course fail in their moral standards, they're going to feel less than the people they feel like they have them. And it, it essentially, the human predicament is the pharisaical predicament. Pharisees are not re- just religious problems. Pharisees are the human problem. And, the, you know, the Pharisee says, I thank you, oh God, that I'm not like other men. And so anytime we get into a place where we're like, I thank you that we're not, you know, look at this mega megachurch, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Look at your grandma's church. I'm so glad I'm not like that. You know, uh, look at this Republican. I'm so glad you're not like that. Look at this re- Democrat. I'm so glad I'm not like that. That is the human, human predicament. And the only thing that can save us from that is Grace.